You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. It's an honor to worship the Lord with you guys this morning. Um, I've had the chance to go on the trip of a lifetime. Myself, along with some other pastors here in the upstate, got a chance to go to Saudi Arabia. A lot of you asked about the trip. I'm gonna share a little bit about the trip in the message today, though. I wanna start off this way. I have three kids, 13, daughter, uh, soon-to-be 10 boy, and then I have a four-year-old boy. And as typical parents, we have a 1,000 pictures of all of our kids just cramming all of our iCloud space. And my four-year-old son, out of all of our three kids, he loves to actually see pictures of himself. It's like one of his favorite things. In fact, he'll sit on our laps and he'll say, and he'll refer to himself in the third person. He's four, but he calls himself, I wanna see pictures of baby Ellis. That's like one of his favorite things. And so I can't have my daughter, she's 13, sit down and look at pictures, nor my son, 10, he's bouncing off the walls. But my four-year-old son will sit down and watch pictures of himself. And we just have so many pictures. He was born... Um, and was in the NICU for a while, almost didn't make it. And so there's pictures of him with tubes in the hospital and he asked questions about that. And there's pictures of him eating ridiculous food or crawling or actually getting in trouble. And he's like, well, why am I crying here? We're like, you were a stinker. In fact, you little goober. And uh, it's really funny to see. And so he, he just loves seeing pictures of himself. And I'm saying and a lot. I'm gonna try and not do that the rest of this message. I know, now that I'm saying and, you're like, yeah, you did say and a lot. Uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs> here, here's the, so many moments of his and all of our kids' lives are captured and put in the cloud. And we can go back and we can look at those. And as we were worshiping this morning, just the Lord gave me this impression. There's not a moment of your life that God is unaware of. There's not been a moment of your life that he hasn't seen. I want you to think about that just for a second. The, the one who created everything, who formed you in your mother's womb before you ever lived. There's not a, a tear that you've ever shed on your pillow at night that he didn't see. There's not been a moment where you were courageous and stood up for what was right that he wasn't aware of. Every moment you have ever lived on this earth, before you were born, in fact, he formed you. He's a good God. And I say all that to say this, is as we were worshiping, there's not a detail of your life that God doesn't care about. Nothing has escaped him about how you are and who you are and why you are. And you are not here by accident. In fact, you are on purpose. And the message today, it's a little bit different. I actually have four parts. So for the next three hours, I wanna share with you guys. I do legit have three parts in the message, but... Um, or three parts, four parts, oh man, I can't forget the fourth part. Uh, one pastor got up, he goes, I have 27 points. And uh, I was like, oh Lord have mercy. Anyway, if you grew up in church, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I grew up overseas, some of the church services were four hours long, one guy got up and had legitimately 100 points in his message, this is true, and he brought a flashlight on stage and he says, anybody who falls asleep, I'm shining the light on them, they have to stand the remainder of the service. One poor little Peruvian guy fell asleep and he had a stand from like points 50 some on to 100. Anyway, I have four, point, I have four different sections. All right, 
Now it doesn't seem so bad, does it? All right. The title of the message today in the four different sections, these are kind of just snapshots that I wanna be able to use to pull us together. The first point I wanna bring in, the first thing I wanna look at in scripture, I'm gonna title it Living Water, part one, Living Water. I wanna show you a picture of a musician. His name is Joshua Bell. Now, my parents are musicians. My mom can sing incredibly well. She can play piano. My dad is a phenomenal musician. And when I was born, I got zero of those gifts. Like none of those. I, I can't sing. I, I, I sing really poorly. The Lord says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He sees my heart, but my voice is horrendous. I can't play musical instruments. I'm pretty bad. And so it's hard for me to relate. But Joshua Bell is one of the, one of the greatest violinists in the world that we have today. He's a phenomenal musician. In fact, he sells out tickets all over the world in which he gets the chance to play violin in different environments. Just an incredible and phenomenal musician. Well, back in 2007, which is a while ago now, um, he just took up and he decided that he wanted to actually take his violin. He went to the DC Metro, all the way in our nation's capital, and for 45 minutes with a baseball cap on and a violin, he played six different pieces from Bach some of the most complicated violin music that you can play. And while people are coming in in rush hour and going to their jobs in the DC Metro, here is one of the most foremost musicians playing some of the most incredible music imaginable. And you know, it's rush hour. So most people have to get to their jobs and a lot of people missed it. And it was this interesting experiment. And by the way, like the week before he was in Boston where he played to a sold out crowd with very expensive tickets to be able to listen to the music that he was playing. Here he is for free. Everyone's rushing to work. There was a story of a three-year-old little boy, though, who stopped, who was mesmerized by the beauty of what he was hearing, but the mom kind of nudged him along and said, hey, we gotta get going, let's do this. After thousands of people passed Joshua Bell by on his, his going about in this, he got about $32 in tips from people. And when he ended, there was no applause, and he just went about his day. I bring this up because one of my favorite things about Jesus, and the Bible talks about this, is this, is that he is a God who understands us. And he understands us because instead of walking away, he came and walked with us. He knows what it feels like to be hungry. He knows what it feels like to be rejected. He knows what it feels like to, to have people hate him. He knows what it feels like to deal with crowds that can be rough. He knows what it feels, he, he understands family dynamics and emotions, why? Because he came to where we were. And, and the Bible says this about God, the God who made us. It says this, that if you wanna find him, you have to seek him. And just like this incredible musician in a metro station, we're all so busy going about our lives and only a very few people had the opportunity to realize what they were listening to. By the way, as he's in the DC metro station, his violin was worth $3.5 million dollars. He's a moron. I'm like, that expensive of a violin. I mean, it's crazy. But he's playing this incredible music while everyone's going about their thing. And in the same way, Jesus comes to the earth and he's teaching us different things and he's trying to tell us, hey, well, how to go about living life. And here's the thing, it's so easy to miss. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. You get to seek and then you will find. Because it's so easy to miss. And so I bring this up because we're gonna look at a conversation. Part one is a conversation that you've probably heard preached many times. It's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who goes to get water. And again, we're only gonna look at some snapshots, but I want you to see her interaction with Jesus. So 
And we're not gonna do a deep dive into any of these because we don't have time, because again, I have four of these. But John, actually chapter four, 10, and then we're gonna skip to 13 and 14. God's word says this. Then Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So Jesus says, by the well, the disciples are not with him. And this woman comes up and he asked her to give him some water. And then they start interacting with each other because she's surprised that he's actually talking to her. And, and then he goes to, to tell her what we just finished reading. If you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would have a gift for you. But you don't know who I am. And so this prompts more conversation. And then she's like, well, what are you talking about this living water? It doesn't make any sense to her. So verse 13, Jesus responds and he says this, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This is incredible right here. Now, here's the thing. She doesn't understand. And to be honest with you, if you and I were in her shoes, we wouldn't understand. You're going to get water from the well and some guy's talking about water that lasts forever and ever. It feels a little bit like an infomercial at three in the morning when you can't sleep. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know you would, you know, it, it feels like that. Like, what are you talking about a living water? Like, what steps do I have to go on? What hoops do I have to jump through? Living water that makes it so I'm never thirsty again. Now, here's one of the things about God. His ways, Isaiah says this, are not our ways. He does things differently. And he thinks things differently. For all of my life, whenever I sat down to eat food, for all of my life, barring burger and fries, I've always eaten my food with utensils. Now, I've had or tried chopsticks. I'm not the world's greatest at that. But I've, utensils, fork, knife, spoon. I've lived in a lot of different countries. I grew up overseas. And all the countries I've lived in, when you go to eat a meal, you have utensils. Now, in my last trip that I just got back on from Saudi Arabia, all of us, we got together in a room to sit down and eat a meal. They brought in abundant amount of food and I'm asking the question, where are the utensils to eat the food with? There's a lot of food, it smells delicious, it's piping hot. And they said, well, we don't eat with utensils, we eat with our hands. Now, young Jeremy would have been like, that is awesome, food fight, boom. Older Jeremy's like, I have to grab the rice in with my hands and how many people are gonna dig their hand? I... We all went, washed our hands. We had the most incredible meal with our hands. Grabbing the rice, grabbing the different sauces and the dips and mixing them together and grabbing the, the pita bread and, and putting it in there. And it was incredible, it was delicious, but it was so different. Imagine today you leave service, you're gonna get some barbecue and you have to eat the, the beans that are sitting right there with your little fingers. It's different. It's a little weird. Maybe don't do that. People will look at you kind of strange. But that's what, it's just, it's just different. So, so God is different. He's, he's not like us. But here's the thing. When he created us, he created us to be like us, but what happened is sin entered the world, we went our own way. So here God is trying to bring us back into what is best for all of us. But because he's different and we are different, our ability to understand is always limited. It just is limited, which is why the Bible says, do not depend on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. Because we lean on how we think things should be. But if God is different, 
If he is, then we have to think about things differently. And here Jesus is, he's at the well and he's like, hey, if you knew who I was, then you would be asking me for water. And she's like, it doesn't make any sense. What is this water? She can't understand. Now later she'll understand more, but in the moment she doesn't understand. And how many times for all of us in this room has God wanted to do something in our life, but we were not able to understand it? I'm gonna help you this morning, ready? Let me tell you one of the most beautiful things about God. It is not our understanding that gives us access to the things that God wants to give us. We think it's our ability to understand. I'm here to tell you something. When it comes to God, it's always relationship. The only thing that you need to know is this. He loves you and he wants you to be his son and daughter. A son and daughter. And when you understand that you're a son and a daughter, my, my, I, have, I have a sister, she's adopted. And when she was adopted, she was, she was named at birth Maria Teresa. And I'm here to tell you something. When we adopted her, she went from Maria Teresa to Hope Havlin. Her name changed and she got into our family. What happened is this, is that she got adopted into our family and the name changed. And this is the same thing with God. He wants to bring us in. Now, here's the thing about him. We don't have to understand everything to know that we can be a son or daughter. I have, th- I was gonna say, I have three kids. There's four, three. That's a, that's a weird, that was the Hebrew four. I want you to know it's, you know, just control this. By the way, when I get really excited, apparently I start doing this and my daughter's making fun of me because I'm like a velociraptor. Yeah. Don't pay attention to that if I get excited later. Okay, anyway. It's like shoes and laser beams. Anyway. Where am, okay, where am I? Okay, I'm a little ADD. Three kids. And I'm gonna tell you something about my kids. They have no problem rolling up into my bedroom whenever they want. It can be three in the morning and my son will bust in there like Kool-Aid. Give me some water, I'm thirsty. My daughter will come in. Like they have, they have zero problems coming into our room. Let me tell you something. If you come into my room at three in the morning, I got a problem. Because that's jacked up. I will defend myself. If you're like, hey, I want some water, pastor. Get out of my room. What are you, but my kids? When it comes to following God, you don't have to understand everything to have access to the things he wants you to have. What you do need to know is this. You're a son or daughter. He created you. And she doesn't understand really at the moment what's happening right now. And in fact, actually, it's when we try and understand everything that we actually prevent ourselves from actually walking with God in a deeper way. Because if we have to understand everything, can we just admit we're limited people? Can we just admit we don't always know? So think about this. If in order for God to work in our life, we have to understand it and we're limited, then maybe the work that God wants to do in our life will only ever be limited because our minds are limited. But if we relinquish our right to understanding and walk as kids, it can make a difference. So here this woman is, she has this interaction, part one. Part two, split rock. Now, for this, I'm gonna tell you, this is a little bit where I'm gonna dive into the Saudi Arabia stuff, okay? So I had the chance to go on a trip of a lifetime. Years ago, in the early 2000s, I watched a documentary. I love documentaries, by the way. My wife can't handle them, but I love watching them. She'll read, I'll watch a documentary. That's how we roll. I wanna give you this documentary, so if you wanna watch it, you probably maybe never want to watch it. Maybe you're in my wife's camp of like, please, maybe that's going to help you fall asleep at night. I have no idea. There's a documentary uh, called The Exodus Revealed, but I'm going to show you where you can find it. You can find it on an app called Tubi. I'm getting zero kickbacks for advertising this. I want you to know, ever. It's a video, but if you download Tubi, it's completely free. And the documentary is called The Exodus Revealed. 
And it charts where we believe Mount Sinai is and where God's people walk. Now, to tell you, I just got back from Saudi Arabia and the northwest section of Saudi Arabia, everyone always knows that is the land of Midian. That's where Moses went after he killed the Egyptian and that's where he met his father-in-law and that's where he met his wife, Zipporah and, and Jethro. It's in the land of Midian. And in Christianity today, just so you guys know, there's not consensus on where we believe the mountain of God is, Mount Sinai. There's not consensus. Where, where tradition holds Mount Sinai, almost everyone agrees that's not where the real Mount Sinai is. I could go into history, but I don't have time. It's not where we believe. We're, there's two different camps right now in Christianity on where we believe it is. There's a camp that says that Mount Sinai is where we got a chance to visit in Saudi Arabia, in the land of Midian. And, and one day, maybe in a message, I'll give all the reasons for why that was and show a lot more pictures of what we got a chance to experience. And there's another camp that says we still haven't found it yet, but it's somewhere in the Sinai Peninsula. But I give this to you so that if you wanna watch a documentary, you can get an idea of where this is. I bring all this up because in the story we're gonna see next, it's called the Split Rock. There's a moment in which the Israelites are led into the wilderness. They've been walking in the wilderness and they're led and there's no water. And this is a problem. This isn't like a pretend problem. There's no water. And they start complaining and crying out to Moses. And I'm gonna show you a picture. This is of the plain. And you can imagine the desert. And you can see it right here in this picture. It's vast. And in Saudi Arabia, in the land of Midian, what was amazing to actually see this in person is this. You have these, they're called wadis, which are these big like valley areas where you can host large numbers of people. But then you have jebels, which are mountain ranges, which surround all these different areas. It's absolutely fascinating. And so God is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness and they're navigating in these desert areas. And in the distance, you can see one rock sticking up right there in the moment. That is split rock. And in the middle of this plain, you see this right there. Now, I'm gonna show you another picture. If you go to the next one, that is split rock. The moment in Exodus, and that's one of the pastors who's up in there. By the way, I did get up in there. I want you to know, the super skinny Pastor Jeremy was all up in Split Rock, but I, didn't have, I actually don't have the picture yet. I need to ask one of my pastor buddies who took it to send it to me. Look at, you can see on the right-hand side, someone's walking down. It's absolutely massive. It's huge. And now here's the thing. In the story of Exodus, when Moses strikes the rock, it couldn't have been a small rock because you're talking about a, a large amount of people. And so you're gonna read the story in just a second. Let, let's go to the, the last one if we can. This is just a backdrop. So in the distance, you have plains. Then you have this rock jettisoning up out of nowhere. And I'm gonna read the story. So we're gonna go in here to, in the split rock, Exodus 17, old school, Old Testament. God's word says this. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. By the way, no one would sign up for Moses' job. Like if you're on LinkedIn looking for jobs, and like the position to lead the children of Israelites came up, no one would apply for that job. It was a thankless, miserable job. And, and, and so here Moses is. And, by, and let me just say this too. What they're complaining about is like real. They're not bad. They're thirsty. I, one of the countries I lived in, uh, my wife and I lived there, actually where two or three kids were born. You have these massive water towers at your house. And the reason you have water towers at your house is because they only turn the city water on for a couple hours out of the day. And so when the city water's on, it has to fill up the big tower so that you can have water throughout the other days or throughout the other hours of the day. And if you wanna do your laundry, sometimes you wanna wait where the city water's on. Here's the thing, you have no idea when the city water's gonna come on. It's a surprise. 
You know it's coming on because if you run out of water, all of a sudden you hear things working. It can be crazy. And some di- there was days, there was moments in which we had days in a row where city water didn't come on. This is really gross, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Let me give you a missionary phrase, ready? When you realize that you don't have all the water in the world to flush your toilets, here's a phrase for you. When it's, uh, uh, when it's yellow, keep it mellow. You chill it out, you don't flush it. If it's brown, flush it down, hallelujah. I just encouraged you, didn't I? And so the water, this isn't a small problem, this is a big problem. And it's not just that them that are thirsty, they have livestock, they have cattle, they need to care for them. Water is a really big deal, so they're complaining. And I, I, I say this to say their complaints are not illegitimate. They're real. But tormented by, let's see, well, see, okay. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? Verse three, but tormented by thirst, they continue to argue with Moses. So why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Can I just, this is a separate thing. I want you to see that the problems that Moses had, he took to the Lord. He didn't try and solve on his own. Just as a simple thought, the problems that you came in with today, the encouragement is this, I want you to know you can take those to the Lord. He has, a, he has actually a solution for everything that you face. And because he knows everything, nothing's escaped his thoughts. In fact, nothing's escaped the exact path that you can and need to walk. Okay, I keep getting sidetracked. Y'all are, okay, hold me. Okay, where am I? Verse four, cried out five. Thank you, okay. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water in the Nile, and call up some elders of Israel to join you, and I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai and strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. The people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and the water gushed out as the people looked on. I'm gonna just stop here for just a second. Out of all the places that God was gonna lead the Israelites after they left Egypt, by the way, the distance between Egypt and the promised land is not that far. He took them way out of the way. If you've ever been on a road trip and there's a massive detour, you're like, oh my goodness. He detoured them for 40 years. Now why would God do this? He brought them into the wilderness. Why? Because they had a whole lot of Egypt inside of them. They were used to worshiping all kinds of different gods. They were used to going to, you name it, all the gods of the Egyptians for the different things that they needed. So he brings them out of Egypt and what is he doing? He is teaching them that there is only one God who is able to provide and meet their needs. And he is big enough to bring water in the middle of a desert. So he leads them to where there's nothing to show them that he's everything. And I've found that when people encounter some of the most difficult parts of their life, do you know why they say they draw close to God? Because they're forced to. It's actually when everything is going great that we actually don't draw close to God. It's actually when we have everything that we need that we don't draw draw close to God. It's when everything is going awesome that we just get used and we hit autopilot and we go through the motions. It's in the wilderness and in the desert when things hit the fan and we have no way out. Do you know what we do? Then we say, God, where are you? God, we lean on you. God, we trust you. But I'm here to tell you something. God is the God of the wilderness and the promised land. He's the same God. He doesn't change and his power is immutable. It can't be removed. He's there and so... He takes them into the wilderness to show them, to teach them. He's getting Egypt out of them and he's trying to tell them, hey, can I just, in your life, how you pay your bills, how you meet your family's needs, 
how you care about what God wants to do, can I just tell you something? That God is able to be your provider as well. And it's ingraining in the people who were supposed to be following this God, the Israelites, that in the middle of a desert, he is enough for them. So part two, split rock. Let's go to part three. This part is Jesus. So part one is the woman at the well. Part two is split rock. Part three is Jesus. I told you these are different snapshots. I'll tie them together in a little bit. The moment that Jesus is crucified and we get a chance to visit this every year around Easter time and then we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. There's this little verse, it's not so little I guess, but it's tucked into John the gospel, 19, 33 and 34. And I want you to see this. But when they came to Jesus, this is the Roman soldiers, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. By the way, that fulfills several biblical prophecies. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. Being a Christian, being a Christian, there are two symbols. You have the blood, which washes, which removes the sin, the sting of guilt. And then you have water, which washes away. It's these two different things. And here Jesus is and he's pierced on the side. It's this interesting little thing in the, in the Gospel of John. It's pretty interesting. What the woman didn't fully understand earlier when we're talking, when she's talking to Jesus is this, is that what he was trying to offer her was a relationship to be a son or daughter that no one could ever take away from her, regardless of the fact that she was a Samaritan woman. And when there's a lot of people, a lot of us in this room, who have given our lives to Jesus. And by the way, if you haven't, I am so glad that you are here. Like this is the, I'm so glad that you're here if you haven't. If you're exploring this, I'm so glad you're here. But a lot of us in this room, we have. Because somewhere in our journey, we came to believe that out of all of the other things in this world, that there is one God who stands above them all and his name is Jesus. And when you encounter somebody who has met Jesus, and a lot of us in this room have, it changes you. It's something that happens internally from the inside. Does it make you perfect? No, because by the way, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm still not perfect. I'm close. I just want you to know I'm close. (laughs) But not all the way there yet. It doesn't make us perfect. It makes us forgiven. There's a big difference. While we're in Saudi Arabia at one of the places that we're staying at, we found out that one of the men who was working at that place is a Pakistani gentleman. I don't wanna tell you his name but he got saved in Pakistan. He encountered Jesus. And then he left Pakistan to try and find his way to see the spots that God interacted with humans. And and so he wants to go to the land of Israel, hasn't had the opportunity to go there yet, but he's living in Saudi Arabia because he wanted to see the spots where God reached down and touched the people with Moses. And, And so you can't really be a Christian in public in that environment. You have to be underground. You can't even really be a Christian in Pakistan. There's tremendous consequences. You see what happens. And, and, and so he's there. We're working with him. We find out he gave his life to Christ, but he had never been baptized. So guess what we did? We were able to baptize him right there in the banks of the Gulf. And now just, I'm sorry for those online who are watching, but this video is not gonna be, you won't be able to see it. And the reason we're doing this is because we wanna protect him. It's also why you don't hear us celebrating a lot when he gets baptized. Forgive me, this was filmed on my iPhone. The quality's not great, but I want you to see someone born in a place that you have never lived encounter a Jesus who has met all of us. 
If he's real for us, he's real for anyone who calls on his name. I want you to see this video. And to those online, you won't see it, but you'll hear it. Let's take a look at this. So this is a show, the type of the death, burial, and resurrection, and a show to the public that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yeah. So are you ready to follow up? Yeah. I'll go ahead and go down now. I would scoot him up a little, yeah. So, in just a moment, I was having to go through this. But, just a second. So, for a group of believers, that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Yes, I confess and reflect my Lord. Our own, in this world, Jesus Christ is our Lord. And He only. Your profession of faith, your profession of faith, we are here to baptize you. around me who can teach me about Jesus, who can show me about Jesus. I always yes, want to be good people around me because I, where, wherever I go, I only found bad people. Uh, teach me bad words, uh, teach me bad thinkings. I'd never find a good person who can teach me about God, about Jesus, Jesus God. I'd never find him or But I will thanks for that day. I will find really holy person like you guys. I'm really it's excited. It's exciting. Yeah. So he can't go to church and he can't fellowship with believers. And in the midst of this, the Lord allowed it for several pastors to find out that he was a Christian and quietly we baptized him. I'm gonna show the picture of the split rock again real quick. By the way, that, that, that young man who you saw, I met a lot of different people in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Immediately when I saw him, there was something different about him. And then once I found out that he was a Christian, I knew what it was, the living God living inside of him. And he told his story. By the way, he calls him Jesus God. You know why? Because he says, in my world, there's all kinds of different gods, but Jesus is the only God. So he said, I want to get baptized to Jesus God because of what he did for me. It's pretty wild. It's split rock. If you go exactly north from that location right there, exactly due north, that's Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. 
if you can chart it on a map, right there, due north, Jesus is crucified. So God sends the Israelites into the wilderness to say there are many gods, but those are worthless. They won't be with you. They can't help you. And he takes them in there. And in the middle of the wilderness, they complain and they cry out for sustenance, for life. So what does God do? He goes and he has Moses strike the rock and water comes out of the rock and the people can drink and they can be filled and they can have their needs met. And then years later, Due north of that exact location, the creator of everything hangs on a cross and dies. And when he dies, his side is pierced and blood and water come out to signify to anybody around the world, regardless of culture or language or background, that the name of Jesus still has power to forgive us of our sins. There is no other name. And I've lived in a lot of places and if the gospel's to be real, it's to be, not just to be real in the nice, good little places. It's to be real in the alleys and the places where you can't proclaim. It's to be real for everybody that there's a hope that is true and forever. And to those who hold on by a thread, God is able. And to those who are going through the motions, God wants to wake us up. And he wants to invite you to know the living water. That is him. So part one is the woman at the well. Part two is split rock. Part three is Jesus. Now, lastly, part four. It's you. What does this mean for you? I wanna go back to the woman at the well real quick. I want you to see after she interacted with Jesus in John four, she says this, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everybody, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. They were streaming in the, in the New Testament. I want you to see. Anyway, all right. Sorry, that was a ridiculous dad joke. All right, anyway. Totally ruined the moment, my bad. Um, the woman left the jar beside the well and she ran back. I want you to, one of the amazing things about interaction with God is this, is how much he actually knows. Do you wanna know who you are? Walk with God and he'll tell you who you are. He knows everything about us. Here's, another, here's the last verse and then we're gonna be done. Jesus tells her and reminds her of this, ready? But the time is coming and indeed it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Two thoughts for you today. One of the things that I love about God, again, is the fact that God is unchanging. He's not changing. So when you open up the Bible and you read the stories of a rock that got split or a woman who encountered Jesus at the well, we're not any of those people. We haven't had those experiences. And that's okay. We've had different life experiences. But the thing that ties us together is that regardless of having different experiences, God, remember, he's the same. He doesn't change. That means that the God who spoke to Moses to strike the rock is the same God who is here with us right now. That means that the same God who was with the woman at the well is the same God who's with us now. And so despite the differences in things, and that's what I love about, listen, there are differences everywhere, but one God who is unchanging. So here's two things that I wanna be able to have for you today, ready? Here's my challenge to you. Look me in the eyeballs, in the eye, the laser beam me. Stop settling for less. Here's my challenge to you. The world we live in is noisy. We're not in a wilderness. We have everything we could want at our fingertips. 
Do you want pleasure? Go find pleasure. There's an app. You can just, all the things. You want money? Go try and make it. There are a million things this world's gonna tell you that are gonna make you happy and that you think will make you happy. But there's one who stands apart and his name is Jesus. And my challenge to you is this. The woman at the well proclaimed, come and see this person who told me everything about who I was, who makes everything make sense about who I am and why I am here. I'm telling you, in a world full of things that you can pursue and follow, stop settling for less than the God who can make water come from a rock. Because that same God can help you when your marriage begins to get tough. That same God can help you when your finances begin to go down. That same God can be with you in the medical situation. Why? He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. He is worthy to be praised. My point is, is that when we might not be faithful, God always is faithful. When the world around us can crumble, God doesn't crumble. And we need to stop settling for less this year in 2023. We need to... We need to dig in deep. We need to find this living water. We need to search for him for ourselves. Why? Because anybody who seeks will find. And there's no one like our God. And all of us, we need this. So number one, stop settling for less. And here's the last thing. Ready? Come as you are. So I want to speak to those of you. Can I just, how many times do we disqualify ourselves when God wants to do something in our life? I do. Can I, let me just, let me share an insight with you. Ready? I have never, ever, ever felt qualified for anything that God has asked me to do. I've shared this before. I get stage fright. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I get terrified of speaking on stage. I want to vomit up in my mouth a little bit sometimes. And you know what's even worse? When I don't preach for two weeks, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Can I just share with you an insight? This is gonna, I can't believe I'm sharing this with you guys. This is super hard. One of the reasons why I have this is so that I can steady myself when I start. Because if I'm nervous and I start to get jittery, it begins to bother me. Is that vulnerable enough for you? Okay. I have never, ever, ever felt qualified. Moses, by the way, didn't feel qualified. He actually wanted to disqualify himself. Jesus says this, but the day is coming when you can worship me in spirit and in truth. You know what that means? That anybody, and he's talking to the Samaritan woman, that means that as long as you believe in me, you are not disqualified from the things that I have for you. You become a son or daughter. So here's what I want you to do this year. I want you to stop settling for less and I want you, I want you to come as you are. Come. God, here I am. I'm a hot mess. You make it seem great for everybody else, but you know that you're a hot mess. Don't play like you're not. I know you are. You know you are. Come as you are. The God who made you wants you to be able to walk with him in a way where you can walk with him freely. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you met the woman at the well. You bought water from a rock. You gave your life for us. May we be people who stop settling for less. May, may you ignite in all of our hearts today. May you awaken something inside of us that longs to seek after you. The God who made everything. And may we come as we are so that God, 
so that you can heal our wounds, so that you can mend our thoughts, so that you can transform who we are and why we are, and so that we would, Lord, be able to walk as your sons and daughters. And may life be so much better when we walk it with you. Awaken us, God, to who you are. And just as you told, Lord, the woman at the well, if we only knew who you were and the gift that you have, may we see, God, today that you have good things for us. And may we be awakened to those things. We love you, Jesus. We thank you in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.